Good morning. Welcome to Marine Creek. I'm Pastor Matt. Um, if this is your first time, if you would fill out a visitor card. We used to put them under your uh, seats, We are on your seat, under your posterior, we'll say. Um, we have some seat back pockets now, so if you would reach in that, and if this is your first time, fill that out just so we can thank you for being here and get some information to you. And uh, if you're a regular attender and need prayer um, or any information about our church, fill that out. We also have the prayer room that's open before and after each service where you can get, get prayed for. And uh, there's some communion elements in there. Um, this morning, I'm not, I'm not teaching. Um, I have the honor and privilege of one of my best friends on the face of this planet. Um, and I'm not going to build him up too big, but he's one of the most humble people that I know, so I can say this. But God is responsible for me being where I am today, but he, in a human form, has been instrumental in saying, uh, would you try this? And uh, so he talked to me about getting in and volunteering in ministry, and then years later, here here I am. And um, he is uh, he's a pastor of Mosaic Church. They launched just over two and a half years ago on the Mississippi Gulf Coast. Um, I hated to see him move to Mississippi because I love hanging out with him. But it's been amazing to see what God has done through he and his wife, Natalie, on the Gulf Coast to a, a people that desperately needs to hear about Jesus. And uh, their church is, is just amazing. Their church is a, a, a prayer partner and a financial partner and helped us launch Marine Creek. And uh, we're not just sister churches. We're part of one body. And uh, so it's my privilege and honor to introduce you to my friend and best friend and pastor, Dustin Bowles. Thanks, bro. Thanks, man. Appreciate that. I think we need to do a DNA test because I think we came from the same parents somehow. I always say brother from another mother, but I think we might be brothers from the same mother. We, everybody thinks that we're the same person all the time. And my wish is I was more like him in other ways other than that we look alike. I wish I had Matt's character. I really do. He's, a, he's the real deal. And I appreciate all that he said. He said he wasn't going to build me up, and now there's nowhere for me to go but down from here. So I'm used to that every single weekend at our church. And um, is everybody just, what, I wonder what our collective weight gain is as a group in this room. You know, seriously, if you added it all up, you think we got some tonnage going here or what? I know I have. And uh, my parents, my mom's just constantly telling me, you know, you, you need to get, you know, you, you're too thin. I'm like, according to what standard, uh, what, what's your measurement on that? And this morning they made fun of my jeans because I have holes in it. And I wanted to explain them just so you know, this is a secret that men will never tell you. But the number of holes in a guy's jeans reflects how many years into his midlife crisis he is. <laughs> Once I get a certain age, it's like rings in a tree. You, know? you can tell the age. So I'm about, I don't know, I'm a couple years into mine. But uh, man, it's good to be here. You guys sick of the turkey and stuff yet? You got to throw it out now, man. It's getting dangerous <laughs> at this point. Um, I, I love Thanksgiving. And, and uh, the reason why I love Thanksgiving is obviously the food and all that stuff like that. But you know, there's a lot of areas in Christianity after 20 years that I need to grow up in still. I'm still growing and been a pastor a long time, and I'm still, uh, some ways I might be a spiritual giant, in other ways I'm a spiritual little person, to be politically correct. And um, one of the areas that my wife and I have grown in is gratitude. For some reason, that's something that, so every year I'm reminded of, you know, it's kind of God reminding me that I have grown, and that's one of the areas that I love. And I, my wife and I love, I drive up to my house and I, this is, I'm not an emotional person, but I almost cry every time I drive up to my house because I can't believe it's my house. I'm so grateful for it. And, and it's, it's just a real, this is something that's important to me is gratitude. There's other deeper things that I could teach on, but this means a lot to me. Hopefully it'll, I can uh, communicate that to you 
this morning. And, and yes, I, am, I live in Mississippi, and I have, a, I have shoes, and I have all of my teeth. So just so you guys know, not all of us. <laughs> um, yeah, most of us, though. So we're going to talk about gratitude today, and I just thank you guys for letting me come and be a part of this. And, uh, you know, this church is, this is a church. This isn't a bunch of nice people sitting in a room feeling good about how spiritual they are. That's not a church. That's, that's what hell is. There's a bunch of people sitting in a room thinking that they didn't need Jesus because they're so good. And so I love Matt, and I love what you, the spirit that's here. So it makes me feel right at home. It reminds me of Mosaic in a lot of ways. And, uh, you know, and the setup and breakdown is just a joy. So um, uh, on, on the topic of gratitude, I found this website called globalrichlist.com. And I want to put it up on the screen. We want to do a little interaction here to kind of set up where we're going with this. Globalrichlist.com. And here it is. And what this website is, is you can actually put in this box right here, average your, your household income, and then you convert it to U.S. dollars here, and you, you click it, and it tells you where you rank among the wealthiest people in the world. And I put my income in there, and I was amazed. At, I was like, dude. I'm, you know, where's all the crystal? And I thought I live, I live in a rap video compared to most people, you know. Uh, I'm sorry, that's my first gangster reference of the day, and there will be, there will be more to come. Um, but why don't we do this? Let's do a little experiment here. What's a, for a household of four, what's a real low struggling income here where you're kind of on the verge of poverty, you're struggling? What would that be in this area? Dude, you guys are rich, man. On the coast, they said 17. <laughs> uh, so you wanna, let's, let's go with 30. Just to put 30 in there. Let's see. If you make $30,000 a year as a household of four, here's where you rank. You're in the top 7.16% of the wealthiest people in the world. Isn't that crazy? That's nuts. That means you're wealthier. You are the 429,712,644th wealthiest person in the world out of what, about 7 billion now? Mostly, yeah, yeah. Um, let's put up, what's a high-end income around here? I mean, you're going to Cabo, you know. You're driving a 97 Saturn with spinners, like me. <laughs> I do have a 97 Saturn. It is a sweet ride. Um, what's a high-end income around here? I mean, I'm not talking about showing off. I'm talking about you're doing really well. 200000 okay. Let's do two hundred. Now we know what they're making. <laughs> when the offering comes around, we're going to be eyeballing y'all, man. <laughs> Cough it up. If you make $200,000 a year, you are in the top 0.01% of the wealthiest people in the world. Isn't that amazing? Okay, well, let's go right in the middle. What's a good middle-class income here for a household of four? You're doing well. 75, okay, fair enough. Let's do 75,000. You are in the top point. Eight two percent of the wealthiest people in the world, if you're just average here, isn't that amazing? I mean, when I saw this and I put my—I won't tell you what mine is because some of you guys will like reverse engineer the numbers and know what I make and all that. Um, I know how this—I know how church people are. I know you people, uh, uh, and you know uh, pastors all too well too. Um, it puts it in perspective, doesn't it? Now, this is not going to be a message of you should be grateful because you have so much more than everybody else. You know, like your dad used to do growing up. I used to have to walk to work both ways uphill and in snow and all that stuff. And my dad used to tell us that he was 10 years old before he ever got a stitch of clothing and my grandma bought him a hat so he could sit at the window. <laughs> if you know what that means, please tell me after the service. I don't know what it means. And then I found out later my dad was rich. You know, they grew up pretty wealthy. 
This is not one of those messages where I want you to feel bad for what you have. Because here's the thing I've learned. Just because we're wealthy comparatively doesn't mean that God stole it from somebody else to give it to us. He didn't. God's not like us. If you give one of your kids a certain amount of stuff, you have less to give your other kids. God doesn't work that way. He can give you as much as he wants, and he still has everything left over to give me. I don't, this is not a guilt message. Gratitude and guilt are not the same thing. This is a message of perspective. And to be honest with you, gratitude does not come from realizing how much more I have or less I have compared to somebody else. Because think about that. If my gratitude comes from comparing myself to another person, some weeks I'm going to feel really grateful because I have more than that person. But you know what? That gratitude might turn into guilt because I have more than that person. Or if I come across people, which inevitably you will, you'll come across people that have so much more than you, and then your gratitude is based upon this comparison, then you're turning greedy because, God, you must love that guy more than you love me. So gratitude is this hit and miss kind of thing. Here's what I really believe, and I think this is biblical. Gratitude does not come from understanding the comparison between how much other people have and what I have. Gratitude, consistent, everyday gratitude, comes from me comparing what I deserve to what I actually have. Now, I can tell you, I may be up and down. God may be blessing me sometimes more than others. But you know what? If I compare it to what I deserve to what I have, I will always be grateful because there will always be an infinite distance between what I deserve and what I have. I know what I deserve. Don't you? Not what I deserve, but what you deserve. (laughs) You deserve to go to hell, man. Um, What I deserve is here. It's below here. What I actually have is up here. And if I live on that comparison all the time, I'm grateful 24-7, even when God doesn't answer the prayer I want, even when he doesn't behave himself the way I want him to. There's always a huge difference between those two things. So that's where we are today. Don't feel, if you're blessed, don't feel guilty. Feel grateful and responsible to do something with it. That's this. Gratitude is that comparison. Imagine what you deserve and then look at what you have. We're going to be in Luke chapter 17 if you have a Bible. Luke 17, um, if you, uh, if you aren't familiar with Scripture, use the table of contents. Go there, Luke chapter 17, and we're going to look at a quick story. We're going to look at how Jesus understands gratitude. By the way, as I looked, as I read about gratitude in the Bible, um, Luke 17, as I, as I read about it, I came across the most grateful person in the entire Bible. He's credited with saying thank you to God more than any other person in the entire Bible, and I couldn't believe who it was when I found out it was Jesus. Jesus is the, the most grateful person in the Bible. It's like it's already all your stuff. <laughs> you know? It, isn't that strange? So it tells me that gratitude is something that God builds into us. Think about it. And the context in which Jesus said thank you the most was when he was presenting communion, which represents what? Him dying for the people. This is a slippery slope theologically. Is Jesus grateful for the opportunity to die for people like us? I, I, don't, I, I don't know. He's talking to God, and it says before, after he's given thanks, he broke the bread and gave it. Is he thanking God the Father and the Holy Spirit that he's the one of the trinity of the three that got to die for? I, I don't know. What's he grateful for? I just know that if we're like Jesus, we're grateful people. He was the most grateful person in all of Scripture. Pretty amazing. So Luke chapter 17, let's get into this story. I'm just going to go through it verse by verse, no cute points. We're going to go through it, and at the end, I'm going to drive home two things that I want you to put in your pocket and take with you for the rest of the year about gratitude. So it's the comparison between what I deserve 
and what I actually have. Starting in verse 11, Luke chapter 17, a new perspective on gratitude, a new perspective, because it's all about that. So verses 11 through 13. Again, let's just read this story and comment on it. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Now, if you look at a map, Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem to do what? What did he do in Jerusalem? Not go to a party. He was going to die on the cross. Now, to go to Jerusalem, he didn't have to go the way he went. He went to the border of Galilee and Samaria, which is the ghetto. I mean, it is, it's hardcore. It is bad. And he goes that way intentionally when he didn't have to, and he's already going to die on the cross. And instead of taking the pretty way to enjoy, he goes the most difficult way. And the reason why he went there, and the only reason why he went there, is because there were 10 men with leprosy that needed him there. Their, their need drew him to them. One of the weird things about Christianity is that often in other religions, it's, our need is actually what we think repels God away from us. We're bad. I'm a sinful person. God doesn't want anything to do with me. The thing about Jesus is the thing that you think repels him is the thing that draws him to you. He was drawn to your need. People always come to our church, man, I'm afraid to step in here because the roof's going to cave in. I'm like, if the roof didn't cave in on me, it's not going to cave in on you, hoss. You know, God, what they don't realize is they've been taught this lie because religion is if you if you have a need, oh, go fix your need. Hey, go take care of your cancer, then come to the hospital. It's, it's ridiculous. Jesus is drawn to people that have needs. If you have, if you're a sinful person and you're a mess this morning, Jesus is after you. You're the one that he came for. He, he's in love with you. He's drawn to the very thing that you think repels him. In fact, what it is is our sinfulness repels us from him. It doesn't repel him from us. And these guys, what did, they were lepers. Leprosy is not a good thing, just so you know. Lepers back then, they would walk around, and they would have to shout out all the time. Anytime somebody came around, they would have to holler out, unclean, unclean. It's kind of like Monty Python, bring out your dead. Remember that? Is that too old school for y'all? No? All right. They would have to walk around saying, unclean, unclean, because if you got too close to them, you were considered unclean, and you couldn't go to church. So they would have to shout that as a favor to you so you would stay away. Unclean, unclean. That's all they said 24-7. It was the only song on the playlist was unclean, unclean. Well, Jesus comes along, and what do they do? Master, have pity on us. So gratitude doesn't just say unclean, unclean. It's a foregone conclusion that none of us deserve anything. Let's just assume that together. That's not being hard on us. That's being honest, isn't it? We don't deserve anything. Unclean. But gratitude doesn't stop with unclean. Gratitude goes on to say, yes, unclean, but master, have pity on me. It's not humble to tell Jesus how bad you are because he already knows. He's seen the MRI. What's humble is to say, Jesus, I'm horribly bad, but you're terribly good. Have mercy on me. It's not a compliment to him to tell him how bad you are. It's a compliment to know how bad we are and we're still willing to say, help me. That's Christianity. Religion says, I'm so bad and I'll figure out a way to fix it, then I'll come to you. Christianity says, I know you're bad, I'm coming to get you and I love you and I'm going to die for you and all your bad stuff, I'm going to put it on me. It's going to go on my record. Your leprosy, I'm going to become the leper for you. Your pornography addiction, I'm going to take that on myself and take the punishment for that on the cross. That's Christianity. You thought your porn addiction made Jesus not love you? He's after you, man. He's pursuing you. You think your materialistic nonsense that drove you into debt 
repels him. He hates it, but he loves you, and he's going to come after you. He'll go to the border of Samaria and Galilee on his way to Jerusalem. He'll take a pit stop in, at Marine Creek Church in a little schoolhouse thing here to meet with you. And he'll go out of his way. Absolutely, he's here. He's here. He loves people like us. But the key is some of us have missed out on the blessings of God. Not because God doesn't want to give them. And th- I want you to hear this. Some of us have missed the blessings of God because we've only stopped with saying unclean, unclean. We know we don't deserve it, so we don't ask. And God's like, if you just ask, man, I'll hook you up. I'll give it. We do it because we're so hung up on guilt that we won't ask. Some of us haven't received the blessings because we're so, we, we think we deserve it so much. And you know what? God's not like us. Some of us parents, we'll give our bratty kids stuff just to shut them up. That's horrible parenting, by the way horrible i don't know you well enough to really beat y'all up today so maybe if i come back another time i'll get real mean like i do with my church your bratty kids are not a blessing they're a curse to everybody even if they're not to you they are to the rest of us okay you may like them but we don't there that's that's as mean as i'm getting today god will not give us things to shut us up because we're bratty and because we'll whine if he doesn't god will be like hey whine all you want buddy some of us are missing blessings because of the guilt Some of us are missing blessings because of the greed. If we would be grateful and say, God, yes, I don't deserve it, but I'm going to ask anyway, not because I'm good, but because you're good, let's do this. Every blessing I have, everything I have, I can't can't name anything that I own because I deserve it. I'm I'm being serious about that. I can't think of anything I have because I deserve it. I, I can think of a lot of stuff that I have because I knew I didn't deserve it, but I asked anyway. And boy, he'll get all over that. God, you're so good that you'll give stuff to a dude like me. Oh, man, Jesus gets all over that stuff. So get rid of the guilt, get rid of the greed. Let's be grateful right in the middle, right where Jesus is. Verse 14, let's go on in the story. When he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Hey, you guys go to the priest, man. And on on their way to church, they got healed of leprosy. Now, leprosy is a weird disease. And back then, you got to remember something, too. On this border, the northern kingdom is Samaria. They had had a civil war several hundred years ago. This was about in probably around 30 AD. They had had a civil war as far back as 1000 BC, and they were still split up. They're not like us, man. We can bomb Japan and be best friends like the next day, right? We can have a civil war, and the next day we're all eating together. In the Middle East, history never dies. Hey, 3,000 years ago, your village stole a goat from ours. We hate you. you know, I mean, that, that's the Middle East. They have long memories. And these guys, the Samaritans and the Jews, hated each other. Because when the Assyrians came in in about 722 B.C. and took over the northern kingdom, they intermarried with the Jewish people, and the offspring were Samaritans. We have race problems in our country, but we know nothing about it. This is a whole other thing. That's going to be important in a minute because the person that shows the most gratitude is the person that everybody else thought would be the least grateful. So here it is, verse 14. He says, go show yourselves to the priests. This is important because they got healed and Jesus didn't want them to show gratitude to him out of hype. You know, we throw around words like, man, God's awesome. The word awesome has absolutely no meaning anymore because we say it about everything. God's amazing. It's totally, oh, that concert was amazing. And it means nothing anymore. Man, I got a parking space at the movie. It was awesome. It's like, no, God didn't, the movie got out when you drove up and you got a space. That's all. That was it. We don't need to make God look good with our gratitude and act like nothing is going wrong. 
We don't act like we don't have leprosy to thank God. We can thank God while we have it. And when he heals it, it's a whole other thing. Who wrote the book of Luke? It's not a trick question. <laughs> his name is Luke. And, his, and what was his job? He's a physician. He's a doctor. I find that interesting because Jesus did this, obviously, in the sight of a doctor that could have said, if it didn't really happen, Luke could have, he could have validated it or invalidated the story. He could have been like, no, nah, Jesus wasn't telling the truth right there. And he sent him to the priest, and what the priest's job was to do, if you want to read about it, if you want some exciting reading, you can go back to Leviticus 13 and 14. It is just awesome. It's amazing. <laughs> Le- Leviticus 13 and 14, and you can read about if you had leprosy or a skin disease, you would go to the priests and show them, that, and they could verify that you got healed. So Jesus put in place here two possibilities of it being verified or denied what happened because he doesn't want fake gratitude he doesn't want us coming to church on a sunday morning and ryan tries to get us to be grateful even though we're not let's fake it he wants it to be real when we're grateful we don't have to deny that things are bad you don't have to act like the divorce didn't happen to be grateful we can say god i'm mad at you for not saving my marriage but you've been good to me in so many other areas Gratitude is not ignoring the bad. It's working as hard at finding the good as we have at finding the bad, right? So Christianity, if anything, is honest. It's brutally honest. God has an answer for us. My wife and I have been trying to have a baby for a long time. We're Sarah and Abraham, man. I mean, <laughs> we're going to name our kid Isaac Laughter, you know, when it happens. It's going to be awesome. I'm going to be going to the graduation on a rascal. Of course, it'll be, it'll be a sweet rascal, but nonetheless, um, yeah, of course, spinners and, you know, boom, you know, anyway. God doesn't answer my prayer the way I wanted. Am I mad about that? I'm mad. But you know what? I'm grateful for a million other things. And I know he's even in that. He's doing, he's doing something better than what we could come up with. I know him by now. So you see what I mean? He puts it where it can be verified. He, Christianity is not about us getting on fire for Jesus and getting hyped up like it's a football game. It's the reality of, Jesus, you've made me mad, but you know what? You've been so good to me. I love you. You can be mad at somebody and still love them. That's what we do, right? If you can't be mad at somebody and still love them, uh, you're not going to have any relationships, okay? Not even with your dog, (laughs) because your dog won't like you (laughs) at all. Jesus wants it to be real. Do you see that? He put verification in it so that when the gratitude comes, it's honest, it doesn't draw people to Jesus when we try to hype him up. He doesn't, we're like, you know, uh, the Flavor Flav. Of, we're hyping it all up. And, you know, we got, back then if they had Flavor Flav, he would have like a sundial around him instead of, but that's just, that's a whole other thing. We're not here to be his hype man. We're here to say, what do I deserve? What do I have? You know what? Even if Jesus didn't heal their leprosy, what was he on the way to do? What was he on his way to do? Die for their sins. So you know what? Even if Jesus doesn't show up on the border of Samaria and Galilee, if Jesus shows up in Jerusalem, it's more than enough, isn't it? If In Christianity, if he never does another thing for me again, what he did in Jerusalem is more than enough. Is that more than I deserve? Infinitely. Can I be grateful? Infinitely. Every single day. Every single day. Let's not fake this. The Christian hype thing and about the cheerleading thing is nonsense. It's, it's, It's nonsense. He doesn't need that. This is a relationship. It's a relationship. So let's go on to verses 15 and 16. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. 
You notice parenthetically at the end, he goes out of his way to say the one guy that said thank you was a Samaritan. You know what's interesting about that is the Samaritan probably realized more than the rest of them how much he didn't deserve to be healed. The person that realized had a reality on what he deserved and what he had was the one that said thank you. The other guys might have been from Jewish families or religious families, and they thought, well, God kind of owes me something because of my parents. Yeah, I have got leprosy, but he kind of owes me a healing because I'm in the clique. I come from church folk, whatever that is. The other guy knew. He was like, I don't deserve anything. I'm a Samaritan. Jesus is a Jew. He probably hates my guts. Found out Jesus didn't hate him at all. And his realization of what I deserve and what I have brought him. He was the one guy that came back. find it interesting with leprosy, the way leprosy works basically is that you lose feeling of your nerve endings and say you have leprosy in your hand, you can't feel anything and inevitably you'll hit your hand or you can't feel the pain to stop and you'll you'll get a sore and you won't know that it's there and it'll fester and if you have leprosy in your feet, even wearing shoes will begin to wear a sore in the side of your foot and you don't feel it and your body basically rots. And you die of a lack of ability to feel pain. Is what, that's the irony of leprosy. Now, think about this. These, this guy may have been a leper for years. And all of a sudden, he's healed. What's the first physical act he does with his newfound strength? Runs to Jesus and falls on his face. He may not have had the strength to fall on his face and get back up until this. The first act that he did with his newfound strength was to come to Jesus. What's his new voice? All his life, it was unclean, 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 stay away, unclean. What is he doing now? He fell at Jesus' feet and did what? Praised in a loud, not, not just praised in a loud voice. That ain't hype. That's a dude that just got healed of leprosy. He didn't have to conjure it up and, you know, get whipped into some frenzy at a Christian concert or some crazy thing. It, it was in his gut, and he used it. Okay, one of the things about leprosy, too, is you were socially isolated. And one of the reasons you'd go to the priest is so that they could say you're clean, so you could go back and be around human beings again. Nobody could touch you. Nobody could. You couldn't be near anybody. Who's the first person that he wants to be near? Now that he's, well, he didn't even get cleared by the priest. He said, I don't need all that. I'm a, Jesus is here. What's the first person that he wanted to be near? Jesus. And he was reckless. You know what? He was taking a chance by doing that. Because if you got close to somebody and you had it, they could just smack you down or hit you with something. He just, he didn't care about all that. Because you know what? Gratitude makes me forget how bad I am. It makes me forget my leprosy. It makes me forget convention and religion. And it focuses me on Jesus. It's all about him. It's not about my leprosy or what the society is going to say anymore. It's about him. And that's not hype. That's gratitude. But the other guys thought Jesus owed him something. God owes me squat. Absolutely. You know what he owes me? He owes me the worst things I can possibly imagine. And I'm glad he doesn't give me that. If you can't be grateful for what you have, be grateful for what Jesus haven't, hasn't given you that you do deserve. That'll change everything. If you can't think of anything good to be thankful about, I'm just grateful that I haven't had to pay for my sins. Buddy, I should have, I should have a record, um, not the kind that spins and plays. Uh, I should have all kinds of bad things. And you know what? Jesus has protected me from myself and my sin. That's very personal for him. For everything he lets me off the hook of, Jesus has to pay for in Jerusalem. Everything that Jesus does on the border of Galilee and Samaria, he's got to pay for in Jerusalem. I'm grateful for what he's not. I look back at it, I should be, I should be destroyed. I should have nothing, no credibility, nothing. And yet God protected me and uses me to, to pastor a church, which, you know, inmate pastor, there's not much of a difference. Um, you know, just a few things. Um, 
The showering situation's a little different, but, you know, <laughs> dodged a bullet there. Verse 17 and 18, here it is. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Now, don't be put off by the fact that he calls him a foreigner. He's just, he's saying to them what they've always said. He's kind of being sarcastic, probably. That is a spiritual gift, by the way, sarcasm. It's, it's the one I have the most of. He said, where were the other nine? Let's answer the question for him. Where were the other nine? Really? Who told him to do that? They were just doing what they were told, right? They were doing the religious thing that they were told. It's kind of interesting. Jesus got a little twisted off because they did what he told them to do. It's like, what do you want me to do, man? You know, what, what is this? You know what it was is they were just simply going through the religious motions. We're going to go to the priest because that's what we're supposed to. This guy was so grateful. He said, religion, I don't need that. Jesus is standing here. Religion? What are you talking about? The man is here. I don't need the stuff of God. I need him. I'll tell you the reason why I'm a Christian is not because of the things God does for me. It's because of him. I I can get over all the stuff, can't you? You can get a new car today and in a couple weeks it smells and the new car smells gone and it's done. I don't get over him. And this guy got Jesus, and the other guys got religion. Gratitude's not a religious thing. Gratitude has nothing to do with that. It's in your gut. It's part of how God programs us to be grateful. It's in us. Um, There was a famous atheist named Bertrand Russell, brilliant thinker of the last century. I believe he's passed away now. Um, He said something interesting. The the quote has changed over the years because preachers make it better than it was. But here's my version of the quote from Bertrand Russell, the atheist. He said that one of the hardest things about being an atheist is having an overwhelming sense of gratitude and having nobody to thank. That's pretty profound. Even an atheist, it's in us. There's something in us that needs slash wants to be grateful to God, to somebody that's bigger than us. And it was in this guy, and that's what I'm saying. We don't have to hype this up. Answer that call that God has put inside of you to be grateful. It's already there. And this guy said, I'm not doing the religious thing. Let me read something to you real quick. That's chapter 17. Chapter 18 is just over on the next page. Watch what happens when gratitude becomes religious. Uh, This is one of the funniest stories. Jesus just knows how to do it. Chapter 18, uh, starting in verse 9, if you want to read it along with me or just listen. It's just one chapter over, and I don't think that's misplaced. I think that's... God's plan. Here it is. Now listen to religious gratitude, because gratitude can become a way of making other people feel inferior. Yeah, God bless me with this. I'm grateful for this, and I'm grateful for this, and what you're really doing, and you're posted on Facebook, you know, I'm grateful that we got to go to Cabo, and here's the pictures, and you didn't get to go, because God loves me more than you. Well, why am I to Cabo today? What's, anyway, I don't know. I don't know what that means, man. <laughs> Whatever. Verse 9, to some, listen to this, to some who were confident in their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, that's a religious dude, and the other a tax collector, not a religious guy, okay? This guy worked for the IRS. (laughs) Anyway, we won't go there in case some of you guys are. Uh, The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. Listen to this. God, I thank you that I'm not like other men. He used the word thank you, right? How appropriate. This is religious gratitude. I thank you that I'm not like other men, robbers, evildoers, doers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all that I have. 
Am I the only one? I'm going to punch this guy right in the throat. You know, right there where it kind of clogs it up. You know what I'm talking about, the little chop in the neck thing? But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast. God, have mercy on me, a sinner. It wasn't guilt. He knew the reality that he didn't deserve it, but he also had the courage to say, God, you're good. He acted in true gratitude. Jesus said, verse 14, I tell you the truth. This man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Gratitude's not a religious thing. It's a relationship thing. We don't pay back God on Sundays for all the good stuff by the number of thank yous we say. Verse 19. Then he said to him, Rise and go, your faith has made you well. So, in some translations it says, Your faith has made you whole. I think that's probably a more accurate rendering of it. Everybody got healed of leprosy, didn't they? All ten did. They all got something. This guy got more. It's being healed of leprosy doesn't make you whole. This guy got made whole because of his what? His faith. How does a person become a Christian? Not by doing good things. By what? By faith. This guy not only got the blessings of the border of Galilee and Samaria, he got the blessing of Jerusalem the salvation, the cross of Christ, which is way better. If you get Jesus and nothing else, you've got everything. If you get everything else and not him, you've got nothing. You're broke. You're broke. The thing that I get out of this verse is that when I'm grateful, I get more than what I thought. Gratitude adds to what I... I I love sushi. Okay? Where's my sushi people? I have my limits to what I will eat, but I, I like it. Now, when they, you order your sushi, they bring out that list on the white piece of paper and you check like one of these rolls and you know what I'm talking about and they take it away. And after that, man, you get your little bowl, right? You start setting up your situation. You start putting your uh, soy sauce in there and you're all ready for it. And what goes, after, what goes in the soy sauce? Oh, yes. If you don't put wasabi in it, we all feel sorry for you because it's awesome. It's the green stuff, you know? So you take your... You take your chopsticks and you put it in there and you start to stir it up and it's clumpy, so you stir it some more. Until it's, and then you dip it in that with the wasabi. Is it not just better? It's so awesome. Let's just, let's just pray. Let's go. <laughs> let's go get some sushi up in here. Please have me back after this, Matt, because this is the stupidest illustration of all time, but you will remember this. Trust me. Wasabi makes it better, doesn't it? It doesn't give you more sushi. But it makes the sushi you got better, right? Ah, this is ridiculous. Gratitude is the wasabi of Christianity. <laughs> it, it doesn't give you more stuff, but it makes you enjoy the stuff you've got more. I guarantee you, I'm going to enjoy my house more than anybody else enjoys theirs. Because I'm grateful for it. Because I know what I deserve and I know what I have. It's gratitude. Gratitude, he got more than the rest of them, not less. Gratitude isn't, oh God, I'm just a sorry dude, take away my healing, give me leprosy again, because I'm horrible. He got more out of the deal. The more grateful we are, the more we get out of what we already have. He may even give us more, I don't know, that's up to him, but I'll get more out of what I have already. The temporary blessings that we have with gratitude become eternal blessings. The others had a temporary blessing, that may last, I don't know how long they lived back then, another 30 or 40 years, depending upon how many holes they had in their, their robes. Anyway, <laughs> in the knee of their robes. We'll be judged that later. 
They got temporary blessings. Gratitude makes temporary blessings into eternal blessings because when I appreciate the thing, I appreciate the person behind the thing. And I get Jesus. If I lost everything else and had him, I think I could make it. The question, the old preacher question is, would you rather have everything but Jesus or nothing but Jesus? And those were the two options. Hopefully you would say, I would rather have nothing but Jesus. But here's the thing with gratitude. I can have everything and Jesus. Because gratitude keeps the everything from replacing the Jesus in my life. As Christians, we can have everything and Jesus because the everything won't own me. I'll give it away. I'll give crazy stuff away that I never could have imagined because of gratitude. Let me drive home a couple points. How much time do I have, Mattress? Am I over already? Time means nothing to me. I have five minutes? Okay, I can do this. Just the two things to take home with you. Gratitude's a matter of perspective. It's a perspective, and I've said it over and over. What I deserve and what I have, it's a matter of perspective. Think about this. Think 200 years ago, the wealthiest, most powerful person in the world. Let's say the king of, I don't know, the king of England, 200 years ago. The king of France. Anybody, whoever the most powerful and wealthy person was 200 years ago was not as wealthy and powerful as you are. The poorest person in here has more access. Let me give you, let me illustrate this. Today, when you leave here, you can travel and you have transportation on a level that somebody from back then never could have even imagined. You can eat food from all over the world today, can't you? You can drive a five, I'm really hungry today, a five-mile radius around this church. You can eat food from all over the world that a king back then could not have imagined. You can, you have access to entertainment today that they never could have imagined. All of these things. I drove here from Mississippi. It took me 10 hours. I didn't fly because of the whole pat-down thing. (laughs) You know, the funny thing is most guys are probably like, I think we're going to fly now. (laughs) Anyway, I'm going to do something. The next time we travel, I'm going to like put like a treasure map down there and let them find it, you know, just for fun. To nowhere, just for fun. Anyway, there's nothing illegal about that. They'll find it. They'll be like, a treasure map? What is this? And they'll talk about me for the next 50 years. But think about I know that's crazy. Well, I had this conversation with my dad the other day. My dad was like, you need to move back to Texas, dude. But I could, we can travel. We can do things that the wealthiest person 200 years ago couldn't even imagine. I know it's not about comparing ourselves to other people, but that does help give us perspective, doesn't it? We have it all, even the poorest person here. We are blessed out of our minds. I think that a lot of times our lack of gratitude isn't because God hasn't blessed us enough. It's because he's blessed us too much. Imagine this, you go, tomorrow, what's tomorrow? Monday, you go to your mailbox, there's a check for $1,000 in your mailbox. Signed to you, no strings attached. It's not a weird thing, you don't have to do anything. Um, you cash the check, you put it in your bank, you got 1000 bucks. Every day, for 30 days, you have a check for $1,000 and you deposit it. No strings attached, nothing weird happens. Day 31, you go to your mailbox, there's no check. Aren't you mad? You're like, dude, where's my check? I get $1,000 a day. Where's my check? Isn't that, it's not because the person hasn't been generous enough. It's because they've been so generous that when they don't give you what you want, we turn into a baby and we get mad about it. Instead of saying, man, I've got $30,000 that I didn't deserve, we're like, where's $31,000? Think about that. God has blessed us so much that the moment he doesn't answer the prayer that we want, the moment we don't get this or get that, all of a sudden we're like, where's our check? God was like, I gave you thirty. Why don't you give some of that away and quit being greedy? God has blessed us so much. The second thing to take home is that 
Gratitude increases the enjoyment of things. Some of us don't enjoy our wives because we're not grateful for them. Some of us don't enjoy our husbands because we're not grateful. You don't need a new car. You need to be grateful for the one you have. And watch how much more you'll enjoy it. It's just simply the truth. It's, it's the wasabi. It makes it better. God may not, you know what? God will bless an ungrateful person, but the ungrateful person won't enjoy it as much. And they certainly won't bless anybody else. It stops with them. Greed says, God, I can't be happy with what I have because I deserve so much more. God, you healed me with, of leprosy. Well, if you were really good, you would have never let me get it to start with. Right? Or God, I need some reparations for all those years that I lost. I'm going to call the, what's it, the Texas Hammer. Is that it out here, the Texas Hammer, the guy that sues people? We have one there too. Brian Loncar, I think is his name or something. I don't know, anyway. Greed says, God, I can't, I can't be happy with this because I deserve so much more. Guilt says, I can't be happy with this because I don't deserve this at all. Right? Give me, my, give me back my leprosy because I'm not any good. Gratitude says, I don't deserve it, but I'm sure going to ask for it. And when I get it, I'm going to enjoy it big time. That's gratitude. That's humility. And I'm telling you, when you have things that are beyond what you deserve and you know it, it's great. It's, it's a great thing. There's a thing called the hedonistic paradox in philosophy. It says this, if I live for pleasure, I will never be happy. And here's why. Because if I live for pleasure and I don't get all the pleasure that I want, I'll be frustrated. If I live for pleasure and I do get all the pleasure that I want, it won't do what I think it's going to do and I won't be happy with it and I'll be frustrated. So you'll always be frustrated. Gratitude is the antidote to greed, isn't it? It's the antidote to guilt and it's the antidote to that paradox of trying to get pleasure. Pleasure will never please you. That's the, that's the frustrating thing about it. You've got to get more. Gratitude says, you know what? I do want more, but I'm already happy with what I have. If I never get anything but Jesus, I'm good to go. And everything that comes after that is just icing on the cake. If we're grateful, then we can... Here's the real test of gratitude, and I close with this. The real test of gratitude is I can get to a point where, God, I'm so grateful to you that you've blessed me that now I can be grateful when you bless somebody else. And it's especially... Here's the real test. When God blesses them with something that you wanted and you didn't get it, when we do baby dedications weekend after next at our church, there will be an army of kids. It's just, it's insane. We, our, our people need to, we need to have a class on how that happens um, to, exp- to explain that to them. But you know what? My wife and I will stand up there and dedicate those babies and we will be grateful that God gave them a baby. Absolutely grateful. Because when we're grateful to God, we can be grateful to other people and for other people and what God gives them. You talk about freedom. That's another antidote. There goes envy out the window. Guilt and greed and all that's already, envy's dead now. Right where it should be. Let's close with just a simple call to do this. The the greatest act of gratitude, the one that made Jesus the most happy, wasn't even being thanked for what he did. It's being thanked for who he is. This guy put his faith in Jesus. The greatest act of gratitude, you know, we show our gratitude once a year by destroying our bodies with the food that God gives us. It's a whole weird thing. I'm the same way. God, thank you. You know, there goes the health that you blessed me with all year long that I asked for. You know, we have a weird way of showing our appreciation. Hey, for your birthday, we're going to go be totally greedy and go in debt. Happy birthday, Jesus. He's like, no, I have nothing to do with that, dude. The greatest act of gratitude 
of all is not once a year, although that's great, I love it, but it doesn't serve the whole purpose. The greatest act of gratitude is saying, you know, I was a leper, and now I'm not. Or Jesus, what you did, you died on the cross for a person like me and pursued me, and I'm going to show you my gratitude by simply putting my trust in you. It's simple. Jesus died on the cross, they buried him, he rose again three days later. He didn't do that for entertainment. He did that to pursue a sinful person like me and you. It's a liberating thing to know I'm very sinful and I'm very loved. Nothing's more liberating. Nothing's more honest than that. The world will tell you you're not sinful or they'll tell you you're not loved. Christianity will tell you you are sinful and you're loved. That's the truth and that's a freeing thing. You can be comfortable in your own skin even if it's leprous skin. God will that's Jesus. That's Christianity. Everything else is nonsense. Everything else is nonsense. So I just want to pray with you. If you've never come to faith in Jesus, borrow my prayer. I'm just going to pray a simple prayer of faith to him and uh, be something like, hey, Jesus, I, I'm a sinful person. I want you to save me. I believe you died and rose again. I put my trust in you. Change me. Use me. Once you get healed of leprosy, then you can go after other lepers. That's the cool thing about it. Once God saves you from your sins, you can go after other people great. It's, it's good stuff. And he'll use you in ways you won't even blow your mind. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. Thank you that what you did on the border of Galilee and Samaria, and you do, you've blessed us. You've healed some of us. You've given us great things, but that's not the point. The point of our gratitude today is what you did in Jerusalem when you got there. You died on the cross for us. And Lord, here's our prayer to you. We acknowledge our sin that we're sinful people. But we also acknowledge that for that very reason, you pursued us, you died on the cross for our sins, and you did it gratefully, which makes it even better somehow, if that's possible. You were grateful, and you died on the cross for us. And three days later, you rose from the dead, and you're alive today. We put our faith in that fact. We put our gratitude in that fact. And in so doing, Lord, just like you said to that leper that day, we're made whole. Our sins are forgiven. We're born again. We're new people with new skin on us, as it were, today. So, Lord, I give you my life and my heart, my sin, my good, my bad, my ugly. I give myself to you in faith today, and I trust you. Save me. Make me a born-again person in this very moment. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thank you guys so much. Appreciate it. Matt.